0: you're listening to the electronic media collective podcast network yeah it's a mouthful for more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy visit electronicmediacollective.com and now our feature presentation in a world where film studios have pillaged every young adult novel dc every comic book series And Frankenstein every silver screen monster in search of the next movie mega franchise. Two nerds. Two movies. One cinematic universe. This is Jasper. This is Randy. We watched two movies. (laughs) And the... Wait. Who? Good evening. (laughs) He returns. The, The... Well, no. The man of death. I don't know. I had something and I lost it. I had it in my head. That's pretty much how the last two months have gone. <laughs> <laughs> I had
1: something and I lost. Wow, that's dark. <laughs> oh, man. Jasper, in yes. case you're unfamiliar, this mm-hmm. season is season 4
0: I can never say it
1: right. 4 No one can.
0: 4 Because it
1: was a mistake to come up with that title. <laughs> I wonder who did that. Huh. Wasn't me. It's, <laughs> it, it, in fact, it was you. It was. In fact, you... you Proposed this whole idea of doing nothing but horror movies for season four. Mm -hmm. And then... And then you were on the first and and the last. Okay, and then I vanished. You were (laughs) on... You bookended this. Jasper, you got so scared. Me and Jason and... and, uh, What movies... Oh, you did watch Friday the 13th for the first special, but you weren't on the special. Yeah, no. So you were on the first non-special episode this season.
0: What movies did you do? I can't remember the titles right now. Oh, was, was it The Guest and... Was it the Halloween? The guest, yeah. Halloween the, three, yeah. I think it was that one. Although I wasn't on the episode, I watched the Green Room. That was a good. That was a good movie. Yeah, last episode. A little weird for uh, Patrick Stewart, but it was just weird to have him in that kind of role. Did you watch Murder Party? Yes, I was on for that one. Oh, so you were on a couple episodes? Yeah, I think it was the third episode, third or fourth episode of the season that I bailed went, out.
1: Yeah, took, okay. took your leave. All
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> Bail? I didn't think bailed out was. I
1: guess no. You got scared. Scared? Yeah. Too, you got too scared. Totally.
0: You're like, did not let. The I'm demon a big in. boy.
1: I got my big boy britches on. Next season, all horror movies. I can handle it. And then you yeah. ran Ente. away. <laughs> <laughs> then I went into the
0: corner and cried.
1: Do we've not even mentioned you being gone? I just had guests on and stuff. Yeah, I know. And we don't have to get into it, but yeah, you're back for an yeah, episode.
0: No, no one cares. I was gone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no one cares the show exists. <laughs> God, that's that's <laughs> horrid. That or you took our listeners with you. I don't know where you went
0: with them. <laughs> we went to a party, a murder party. <laughs> <laughs> oh you murdered our listeners? <laughs> I murdered the uh, statistics. To be fair,
1: you <laughs> were also on the second Friday the 13th special for a brief, brief hot second.
0: Yeah, I remember that. You had a little cameo at the end. <laughs> I was crazy too. I listened to that. Did you? Yeah, that was fun. I was like, the the uh, music, really, I was like in it. And then I was like, oh, there's my voice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, there we go. We're here.
1: We're here. We're here. <laughs> Jasper, if you're going to come back for one more episode this season, there, mm-hmm. there was only one double feature in the whole world that we could do. There's only one way we could welcome you back. Well, at the same time, kicking season four to the curb because after this episode, we're gonna have uh, the third Friday the Thirteenth special, and then that's it for season four. And how do we do this? What's the only appropriate
0: way to do this? Double Nick Cage, double mint,
1: double mint, <laughs> double, <laughs> double <laughs> Nick Cage,
0: double mint, <laughs> Nick, <laughs> double Nick, double Nick, double Nick Cage. There's a high Nick, a team level in this one. No, I'm joking. I'm sorry, that was hard. Have we done any?
1: Nicholas Cage movies on this I don't show, think so. show at all? I don't think we have.
0: No. I, I was thinking, I was like, we did Gone in 60 Seconds. But I forgot. I watched that mm-hmm. movie during season two. Yeah, I, I, do no, just
1: I ain't doing no, no Gone in 60 Seconds. No,
0: we're good. That's not. We're good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: that or Ghost Rider, no. Gone in
1: 60 Seconds, to be honest, was like the beginning of my Nick Cage hatred. Yeah. Because that's when he really, I started noticing his hands. He'd do the,
0: let's go. There's a little hands in one of these There's movies. There's little hands
1: in all of them now. No. I can't on-see it. He does it in all of the movies. But since this is a horror season, Cage has done a few horror movies. Most of them I'd say not good. But some of his more recent horror movies are very interesting. So this episode we will be discussing the insane, over-the-top, mind-bending, Nick Cage double feature of Mandy And Color Out of Space. Now, Color Out of Space is actually the time this episode goes up. The digital, the home release is tomorrow. So, this isn't even out on home video at the time of this recording. We'll talk about that movie later. That'll be the second movie we talk about. But I will hold, I'll say we'll hold spoilers back on that one Mm -hmm. since it's not even really, and it didn't get a wide theatrical release. So, a lot of people haven't had a chance to see it. We'll hold spoilers back and give a warning before we get into spoilers. But we got to get into spoilers on that one. Yeah, so that means up first, we will be discussing Mandy, the twenty eighteen
0: Mandy with Sir Nicholas Cage.
1: It's not Sir Nicholas it's Cage. Sir, Has he been knighted? No, he should be. You know what? He probably
0: is actually.
1: The, okay, so I almost should have had Melanie on this episode with us. Shout out to Melanie because she is a Nicholas Cage fan. I'm not. Do okay. Well, we can. We'll we'll re, we'll roll that into a little bit of our opening Mandy talk, but I'm not really either. I don't like his over the top Nicholas cage-ness
0: unless the context is right. Mandy came out in 2018. It says the enchanted lives of a couple in a secluded forest are brutally shattered by a nightmarish hippie cult and their demon biker henchman propelling a man into a spiraling surreal rampage of vengeance. It is uh, starring a Nicholas cage. Andrea Riseborough, Linus Roach, Ned Dehenny, and Richard Brake. Directed by Panos Cosmatos and written by Panos Cosmatos and Aaron Stewart. Panos Cosmatos uh, is Sorry very... Sorry I slaughtered that name. I'm
1: probably slaughtering it too. He's an interesting director. He's somebody I have my eye on. He's very... He does kind of out there genre art house kind of movies okay uh, this was his second feature film his first was beyond the black rainbow it's interesting it's different but it's kind of got the, that same kind of late 70s maybe early early 80s movie feel but also with the same slow dreamy art house style Jasper had you ever heard of or seen Mandy and what are your initial impressions
0: I did not see this when it was in theaters. I had seen trailers of it, and I was intrigued by it, just being crazy. Nick Cage going off the deep end, but never got around to seeing it. Now you said you don't like you don't like. Well, like I think we my, both have said we don't really. Yeah. So my like my issue with Nick Cage is like I, I think the the wrong word is typecasting, but he's always Nick Cage. It's just like almost the same character, like. Mm-hmm. It's like he method acts himself. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, so my problem with him is that he doesn't show, except I believe this movie, this movie is like the first movie I've seen him where he has emotion. Oh, I got you. Like he's very like almost like Terminator and like Ghost Rider and all that. Like it, he just seems like he has no emotion. Like he is kind of dead inside.
1: Genuine emotion. Yeah, like I'd so
0: say. the movie he was in in what was that the 90s Face Off? Yeah. Was like the only time I've ever seen him actually like animated. He's often over the top and I
1: again, it depends on the context. His way of being over the top, the Nick Cage way, and there's little variations in it, but it's it's Nick-caginess. I feel that it just sticks out in most movies. So it's got to be the right context and I mentioned Melanie earlier because she, she likes Nick Cage. And so that's always like a, a – conver- a, a, it's a conversation we have quite often. She's always like, well, you don't like Nick Conversation
0: turns into argument. <laughs> turns she's it. like,
1: you don't like Nick Cage. And then we, we made the mistake of watching this YouTube video that analyzed and tried to like justify his motivations for why he acts the way he does. And so then she always brings that up. And I'm just like, so what? He's still over the top. And it's inappropriate in most of the roles he's in. It might be interesting, but like if it doesn't serve the movie, it's not, it's just detracting. It takes me out of it.
0: I feel like in these two movies, especially with Mandy, like he kind of got it with, the, again, like you say, the hands. And this one, it seemed like they kept him on the rails, let him get crazy, but then, you know. He's still on that mission, you know?
1: So I had heard about this movie. I don't know. I'd seen the trailer at some point. We probably talked about it on like Grawlix podcast or something, but, uh, I'd seen the trailer at some point and I was excited because yeah, it's over the top Nick cage, but it, it looked like the movie was over the top. Like if you're going to do over the top Nick cage, put him in an over the top insane stylized horror movie or something. Right. Which is kind of what this is. And the movie matches his intensity. I've watched this twice. Now I rewatched it just yesterday or the day before for this episode. But my first watch was about a year ago and I was actually a little disappointed because he's, he's honestly, he's kind of subdued most of this movie, which is weird. It's the exact opposite. You get, like I said, there's maybe, there's maybe two real cagey moments. Otherwise he's, it's, he's kind of subdued and downplayed and stoic. There's some real good emotion. He put, like genuine kind of emotion he puts out. Like There's some good moments, particularly in the one scene that inspires the revenge. But they literally have his mouth gagged, So what else is he going to do? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was excited for this movie. Overall, I can't say I was disappointed, but I was not prepared for what this movie actually was.
0: Basically, my comparison with him is like, the movie I saw with him in it, I believe, was Bangkok Dangerous. I think that was what the movie no, was I called. Know. Yeah, i never seen that. It was just, like... That was when he became it, an action star. I'm like, why is yeah, he an action star? He was, again, over the top. I blame Conair. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. But, like, watching Bangkok Dangerous and then watching this movie, it's like, like I said, it seems like someone kept him subdued mm-hmm. or told him, like, this is how we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Because, like, in Bangkok Dangerous, he plays, like, a crazy guy. But he's like all over the place, you know, but now in this movie, when we're talking before the podcast, like where it's kind of like drive, where there's not a lot of talking, but you know exactly what he's doing and what the mission he's on. Mm -hmm. And this one really was like, yeah, that's grounded. That's fair. I think it's it's, it's
1: so funny to say grounded. The movie itself is kind of not grounded, but I guess the story is and his, his performance is. Here we're two guys that are like, Oh, we don't really like Nick Cage, but we can't help but focus on him in this. And it's not to say I don't think he can't act well, because I think he can. He acted well in this, and I like him in adaptation. I think he's good in that. He's not he's not really cagey in that movie. Well, let's let's focus then on the movie itself because there's there's too much there's too much of this to cover but this movie. Like we could really kind of dive too deep into this. So let's let's try not to.
0: Let's forget about Nick Cage for a moment. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the movie? So overall, my thought would be they dwelled in the the strange for a little too long. Like to kind of like, I would believe it would be like the buildup. Mm-hmm. I think they leaned a little too hard on that. And then as, as then we get to the later part of the movie, then the movie kind of like picks up and makes sense to me. What happens to him takes probably what, a whole hour of the movie? It's like an hour
1: and... So it's, it's over an hour. It's an hour and seven, hour and 14 minutes, something like yeah. that. Yeah, so get- I
0: almost, it's like at points, I almost just gave up. Like, my mind just almost wanted to click off. But then I'm like, okay, this is this is leading up to something better. Like, And then that last hour of the movie really kicked it up. And that's like, basically, I almost say my rating at the end of this will come from the last part of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> the starting of the movie doesn't really tell a story of them both a long time. Then it's like the whole was it Children of the New Dawn mm-hmm. is like another like forty five minutes, you know. Yeah, it's it's
1: worth noting if you haven't seen this. It's divided. I mean, in say, when I say divided, it's it's just there's a ti- title cards come up. I kind of remind me of Tarantino, like uh, the uh, title cards, but a little bit because they're very stylized after a specific style. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah, there's three sections. There's the Shadow Mountain. Yeah, Shadow Mountain Children of the New Dawn and then
0: Mandy, and Mandy, Mandy which is that's the that doesn't come up till over an hour into the movie. I think that's like, you know, rare for movies where usually the title, the title of the movie plays in the first like minute. Yeah. And then it was like an hour, I think an hour and 20 minutes before we
1: actually get it. Yeah. And they're all in the style which, by of By the way, that design was cool. Dude, they're all in the style of 80s metal album covers. Like it's definitely like the font style and stuff, they're all kind of that yeah. early 80s metal.
0: The immediate thought when I saw the Children of the New Dawn title card was Stranger Things. Yeah. It had that kind of, you know, like the neon thing. Sure, sure. I like the, the weird... I
1: saw why you like this. <laughs> I, I like the weird glitter cursive, uh, the Shadow Mountain logo. Yeah. And that's that's the first time one of those logos pops up. So I remember watching this the first time and like, what? What's, what's this? So... I like this movie, it's so stylistic and I like the style. This actually drug for me more the first, I was a little hesitant on the rewatch. This drug for me a little bit the first time I watched it. The rewatch, I actually didn't have that problem and maybe it's because I knew where it was going. It made that first hour not seem so long and it is interesting that first hour. It's the whole movie, it's so stylized. It's one of those movies where you could pick almost any shot from the movie and it's an album cover itself. And, and there are some shots that
0: really stand out, but it is so stylized. I guess that when she's on the drug scene, I guess that's like his trademark, the, like the video effect. Oh, okay. Really? you'll like make it look milky as the, uh, he shoots led lights into the, into the, um. Oh, to get that kind of tracer effect yeah. on them. Yeah. I I gotcha. Yeah. I was like, I thought that oh, was Oh, that's just... an in-camera effect? Yeah. Interesting. Okay, Cool. Yeah, Yeah, I
1: assumed it was just a post effect.
0: Yeah, apparently it's his like trademark. It's
1: very dreamy. So the movie has, it takes a lot of elements, both visually and also kind of thematically from heavy metal fantasy, Mm -hmm. fantasy stories. Like it's, it's very apparent, like she's reading some type of fantasy novel and they continue that it's a heavy metal dark fantasy horror movie is what this is. And that first hour is very, I think it continues on into the revenge segment, but it's very dreamy. Mm-hmm. Essentially we have, it's a revenge movie and I appreciate that. It wasn't just like, let's rush through this so we can get to exploitative gore and violence. It's like, no, we're going to wallow in. It's not even so much their love story as in we're in Mandy land. The first hour of it is kind of about Mandy really. And that's why I say Nick Cage's character seems subdued because he's there. And it's not that it's not about him, but it's more about her. And he's just kind of, he's there. He's quiet. Uh, He doesn't really have that much to say. He listens to her. She's got things to say. And we kind of exist in her world until, I guess it's kind of spoilers, weird religious cult rolls in. We get a little bit with them, which I think is weird. Things happen. And then it's just Nick Cage and he's very angry. And then the movie totally changes. It totally
0: changes. It's still very stylized. Like what was the? Oh man, what was the movie I was thinking about? Especially when those the three guys show up, I was thinking Pinhead and then all the oh like Hellraiser and stuff. Yeah, I was like, when, when did Hellraiser get it's here? So <laughs> in,
1: it's so interesting because it the movie melds, and it's not like this hasn't been done, but it melds art house style, art house sensibilities with schlock schlocky genre like 70s 80s mutant bikers and uh, weird fantasy elements (laughs) there's literally a shot that's like a stylized painted sun sunset backdrop with a tiger roaring in front like what why is there a tiger in this movie suddenly there's weird animated sequences of like corpse woman on mars or jupiter or something like it's so bizarre but this is like the most metal movie that doesn't actually have any heavy metal right. in it.
0: Especially when he like picks up that piece of glass with drugs on it. and just stuffs it in his nose. Not snorts it, just <laughs> takes it. Like, <laughs> So, what would
1: you say? Okay, how about this? I'm going to steal. So, last episode we had, we did a mashup episode with a Trash Talk Podcast. I'm going to steal one of the ways they approach their reviews. Sorry, guys. What's your favorite or a memorable... Or like one of the most notable scenes of this movie for you?
0: Oh, man! I would have to say I think it's right as he starts killing, but it's also when they capture him, the three the three guys, and he rips his shirt. He goes, "That's my favorite shirt." That's a and just the way he kind of starts like nonchalantly killing everybody. <laughs> like that's the thing. Like there's like no humor in the
1: movie. For the Mandy segment, which is actually not the Mandy segment. The Mandy segment is after Mandy's out of the picture, basically. She's not ever out of it. We kind of exist in Mandy land the whole movie. And uh, she's the woman in the animated stuff and all that. But we don't get the Mandy title card until after spoilers, until after she's dead. But everything leading up to that, there's not a lot of humor. And Mm -hmm. it's pretty dark. It might be worth talking about the scene where they take them hostage. But after, when it switches into this is a revenge movie, there's humor. And that's the most surprising. Like, there's some funny lines. The shirt thing is one of them where he's like, that's my favorite shirt. But also, like, it's not just a throwaway line. Like, that's a shirt he's wearing towards the beginning of the movie. And then she's wearing the shirt when they get kidnapped. And she's wearing it during that whole thing. After she's killed, he finds the shirt, which is a horrible implication in itself. He finds the shirt in the house. So it's not even just a throwaway line, but it's still funny and it still ties into like the story and it's still not the cage moment, but the shirt thing does come into one of the big cage moments to where we think he's killed that mutant guy. That mutant guy shows back up and, and he's still, Cage is still mad about the, the character, not Cage, the character is still mad about the shirt and he's like you read my shirt, you read my shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wait, oh, yep, nope, that's the Nicolas Cage I've been waiting like an hour and a half to see.
0: I think that scene and then also <laughs> the bathroom scene maybe. Uh, that and just like how stupid it was, was the chainsaw fight. Oh, I love it. I love the chainsaw fight. <laughs> like, It's so stupid. Dude, that was, there were shots
1: of that in the trailer and that's when I was like, that's, Nick Cage, crazy Nick Cage. There's a chainsaw sword fight, essentially. So good, but so bad.
0: I wanted to punch that dude that was in passenger seat of the van that kept rolling up up and down the window. (laughs) Okay, I'm wrong. I guess there was a little humor before (sighs) the big turn. Because
1: it's played for, it is annoying, but it's played for last. That dang mouth breather, man. (laughs) Oh, he was too. He always had the like slack jaw look the whole time. So that's another scene trying not to i'm trying hard not to dwell too long in this movie that's another scene though because so the movie's stylized and weird and it's explained away later as kind of a real world thing but it brings in this fantasy element to where like when we're with the children of the new dawn you said it was yeah i think it is. i believe that's the children of the new dawn Use the horn of whatever, whatever. And he pulls it out and yeah, then you get a, the green strobe on it.
0: The horn of a Brax. Yeah.
1: So then they go and basically he blows on that. And then these like mutant biker monster men show up. And so that's a very weird fantasy thing going on.
0: So we were laughing because we were like, one, it'd be funny when he pulls out and that green strobe comes on. Have like the camera backed up and he's just holding a,
1: like (laughs) holding a strobe light. It is so funny because it's like, it's one of those stylized moments that takes you out because you're like, wait, what? It's such a jarring thing.
0: Right. And then we were, we were laughing because that guy pulls up on the ATV and he's got the spikes all out and stuff. And we thought it'd be funny. Like he just roll up and just went,
1: nah, (laughs) like just, just, they totally are though. Like biker Cenobites. They're very Hellraiser. One of my favorite scenes is definitely where the movie takes a turn because there's everything up to the bathroom scene. Then you've got the very kind of Nick cagey, although it kind of works in this case, but the bathroom scene, he's kind of in shock up to that point. And that's where he like starts drinking and then pouring the the alcohol on his wounds. And then he starts revving up with his sorrow, his pain and his grief and his Nick cage primal guttural screams, which is not supposed to be a fun moment. It's not, but like, It's also Nick Cage. It kind of is like you can see he's ramping. He's amping himself up. Mm. That's definitely the switchover moment because everything after that is the revenge movie. And then he goes, what's the guy's name? Nick Cage's character in this is red, by the way. His name is red. Yeah. Bill Duke plays Carruthers. I'm gonna have me some fun. I'm gonna have me some fun. He was in Predator. It's Mm -hmm. so good. He goes to he goes to Max House from Predator but his name is Carruthers to get his crossbow, which belonged to him previously. So it kind of hints at like, yeah, what did he call it? I'm here for the Reaper, the Reaper. Yeah. yeah. And the ax later, the ax is called the beast. I think mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting. Cause it hints at like, well, what's red's background. Cause we don't yeah, ever get to I mean, know. Like, it's what? so strange. It's interesting. It hints at things, but in this scene, we get some great humor. There's some good humor in this. Also, Carruthers, we do get some info dump. He tells us what those bikers actually are. And they're basically, they were just a bad gang of bikers who their acid dealer intentionally gave them bad acid. And ever since, they're basically these like horrible monsters almost. <laughs> and the scene ends on. <laughs> I'm going to have to Grolix it. I don't have to bleep it. But it's so good. It's so good because. Creathers leans up real close and he's like you know whatever you take the acid and it's they're in constant pain they live in a world of pain you know the weirdest part of it they f- loved it and then the scene ends it's like
0: what I wanted that scene a little go a little bit longer like I wanted some history there
1: that scene was so good because at one point he's like you can't you know you can't go up, you can't, can't go up against these guys they'll kill you and Nick Cage goes don't be negative <laughs> and it's so weird after this rather intense, even before the actual negative stuff starts happening, the whole movie, even though it's dreamlike is still very ominous and kind of intense. And the music's intense. We actually finally kind of get a break in tone in the scene, but it also signals like the right turn into straight up seventies, eighties B low budget movie schlock territory. I'd got to read my favorite quote though. Grether says, so what are you hunting? Red says, Jesus freaks. And Carruthers, this line made me laugh so hard, says, I didn't know they were in season, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. That one got me. It's so good. And then the movie turns into where Nick Cage takes some of the acid. So he's basically becomes just a revenge monster at a certain point. And there's an axe fight with one of the other biker monsters. And the biker monster gets set on fire. Nick Cage decapitates him with the axe. Looks down, there's a cigarette on the ground. So he picks up the cigarette and lights it off the decapitated burning head. And I'm like, this this is the movie I was waiting for. <laughs> and yeah, okay, it's a revenge movie. But it still maintains that fantasy feel for me. Because even up towards the very end, he's finally like, he's basically, he's getting to the last boss. But he comes across the old woman first. And there's that weird scene where it's like, she starts talking about weird uh, kind of like sensual I could be yeah, a sensual, I'm the most lover. sensual lover. And then it just fades to black and you're just like, "Wait, did he?" What? <laughs> so then the next scene starts, it's the big bad in his little cubby hole basically, and the head of the old woman gets tossed in there, and it just made me think it's it's like it's like a a dark fantasy adventure. The second to end boss is the witch, and he killed the witch by cutting the witch's head off. It just kind of maintains that throughout the whole thing for me.
0: If there's any way to enter it, the final boss is to throw the, the second to last boss's head in there.
1: And then as you squeeze his head, you say, I'm your god now. But let's talk about that. I kind of expected we get, like, Nick Cage-ness, especially after he took the acid, would ramp up more and more. It actually yeah. kind of goes down because by the end of the movie, when he speaks, he has a demon voice.
0: I forgot that he had basically taken the acid. I'm like, why is his voice modulated now? Like, <laughs> it is. Like, it's... By the end, he's like... <clears throat> I am your god now. I posted that quote today on Facebook where he says, The psycho drowns in the same way the mystic swims. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And he says that in like that demon voice. And he's like in total darkness. And then yep. he steps in. And I'm like, that whole final battle. I was like, sweet. That end sequence is cool. Yeah.
1: It's very cool. Practical effects. It goes practical gore effects. Like The movie is gory and bloody. But it doesn't revel in it. One takeaway from this rewatch is... I kind of dreaded and it's still not pleasant. I don't like it, but I dreaded the scene with Mandy where they kidnap Mandy. But on the rewatch, I'm like, Oh, that's really not as bad as I remember because it's horrible and it makes you feel bad appropriately, but it doesn't dwell in it. It doesn't go torture porn. It's a bunch of creepy, creepy, creepy. And then even when she's killed, you don't really see her. It's horrible what they do, but they could have done things to make that scene so much worse and more unpleasant so it still has restraint. It's there to make you feel it and make you feel dirty and gross, but it's not like there to exploit the situation and the goal, the gore is over the top, especially at the end, but it feels appropriate given that we've now gone into schlocky B grade horror movie territory. Right. Well, Jasper,
0: what would you rate this? It took a hit for the, the slow start because mm-hmm. again, I'm going to try and make, my review over the whole movie. Yeah. So at first, maybe reminisce about drive. It's kind of like that, just kind of like vibe. The later part just developed and just kept, then it gained speed and kept going. So at first... That second, uh, I'm sorry, I'll jump in real quick because you're right. That
1: second, it's like 45 minutes. Yeah. The pace ramps incredibly after the kind of how slow and meditative in a way the first hour plus is and then once we go into the revenge thing it's bam 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 it's flies into it and it's super fast paced
0: so yeah so at first I had this at four stars but I I have to go with three and a half
1: interesting okay so on my first watch I gave it three and a half on my rewatch I gave it three and a half and then today I was thinking about it more kind of preparing for it and I was like you know what no this is four and I bumped it up to four stars. I, I saw that on your Twitter. <laughs> Did you? I yeah. was like,
0: why didn't he change it? I was like,
1: yeah, I bumped it up to four because I will agree with you. The first half is a, l- a little, long and I'm not saying cut it down to like 20 minutes and give me, you know, well, you can give me more of that crazy revenge, dark fantasy. That's fine. But maybe just slim it down <laughs> under an hour. Right. Maybe give me half of that. And then the other half that said, I still really enjoyed it. Even the first part, I enjoy. Obviously, it's not as fun or <laughs> bizarre as the vengeance part, but uh, stylistically, like the movie looks amazing. I'm a sucker for good style and music. I like the score a lot. Yeah, I like the sound.
0: I think it's the one where they uh, was it Johan Johansson did the score on this, and then he died, so the film is dedicated to him. Did not realize that.
1: Yeah. Overall, it's a good movie. Like I said, the rewatch, it does come up for me on the rewatch because it didn't drag as much as I remember it dragging on the first watch. From one magenta light doused movie to another. Next up is Color Out of Space from
0: 2019. What you can't see, listener, is we're now in a magenta filled room.
1: We are. Yeah, no, we actually are. I set all the lights to magenta. Directed by Richard Stanley. Screenplay by Richard Stanley and Scarlett Amaris, Amaris, based upon the HP Lovecraft story, starring Nicholas Cage as Nathan, Jolie Richardson as Teresa, Madeline Arthur as Lavinia, Elliot Knight as Ward, Tommy Chong as Ezra, Tommy Chong. It was good to see Tommy Chong in this, to be honest. Brendan Meyer as Benny and Julian Hillard as Jack, or they refer to him a lot as Jack-Jack. Overview. The Gardner family moves to a remote farmstead in rural New England to escape the hustle of the 21st century. They are busy adapting to their new life when a meteorite crashes into their front yard, melts into the earth, and infects both the land and the properties of space-time with a strange, otherworldly color. First off, since this movie didn't get a wide release... And it's hitting home video this week. A lot of people haven't had a chance to see it. So we're going to hold off on like ultimate spoilers, even though it's based on an existing story. Not everybody knows all the HP Lovecraft stories. We're going to hold off on like the final spoilers till towards the end, but we'll give you a warning before we get there. Jasper, had you heard of or seen this movie before? And what are your initial impressions?
0: I've not seen or heard of this movie before. My first impressions of this was it was going to be a weird Nick Cage movie. <laughs> yeah. But it's like... Again, you hadn't even
1: seen like a trailer or anything? Uh-uh. Okay.
0: And so it was, again, weird because I watched this basically back-to-back with Mandy. And it was, again, it felt like he was going to be subdued in this movie. And like he's kind of following the role. My first impressions, I was like, how is this going to go south? <laughs> really? it okay. just seemed... Like, it was like, oh, this seems like a nice movie. And then I was like, no, nope, no, nope, it's going south. <laughs> I'm not super familiar with H.P. Lovecraft stuff.
1: I know H.P. Lovecraft themes. I know cosmic horror things and Cthulhu and just like some of the reoccurring themes in H.P. Lovecraft stuff. People refer to it a lot, like watch a thing and people are like, that's very and Okay, I get it. So I wasn't super familiar with the story, but I had seen a trailer for this movie and I was hyped. I was very excited for this movie. Because again, like my introduction to the Mandy movie, like I'd seen a trailer, it looked like crazy over the top Nicolas Cage, purple lights everywhere, It looked like it got real bizarre. but also there's the added appeal of Richard Stanley, the director, and Richard Stanley, uh, a lot of people like if if you're into film and filmmakers, you probably know who he is. So he had only made two movies before uh, he made. Hardware and Dust Devil. And I have seen those. It's been so long since I've seen them. So I don't remember a whole lot. But I remember enjoying them quite a bit. And they both definitely had a certain feel. Very atmospheric. And were either horror or kind of sci-fi themed. So I was excited. But also, a little bit of more history about this guy. He pretty much disappeared. He hadn't made anything for like 20 years. Because his third movie was... Supposed to be the island of Dr. Moreau that came out in the nineties the like big budget I don't know I'm assuming big budget Hollywood movie with uh Marlon Brando and Val Kilner. there's like a whole documentary about this it's kind of fascinating, but he got fired from that movie. there's basically Marlon Brando and Val Kilner were both notoriously very difficult to work with and they were very difficult on this movie, for example, Marlon Brando insisted that he <laughs> come up with his own lines that he wasn't going to do the script he was going to write his own lines stuff like that but apparently it was just a nightmare hard to work with richard stanley got fired like 4 days into the shoot from the movie and the movie was taken over by somebody else which is you know that's unfortunate but i think that kind of led to him getting maybe blacklisted out of hollywood or maybe he just was done for a while i'm not sure i'm not clear on that but The really weird thing is then, so they, they give him a ticket, like you fly back to America or whatever. He never went to the airport. Instead, he took off and just like roamed Australia where they were filming. And apparently just like roamed Australia, did a whole bunch of drugs, snuck back onto set, knew some of the, you know, crew that were working and then disguised himself as one of the extras. Cause in that movie, they're all like, you know, it's, it's animal people disguised himself as one of the extras and is actually in some of the scenes in costume and makeup, and the producers didn't know. Nobody knew. What? what, the what? Crap. So super interesting. Anyway, seems like a very interesting guy. But he definitely has a fascination. Like he's apparently a big, big Lovecraft fan. He has a fascination with like the occult type stuff, sci-fi, and that definitely is evident in the movies he's done, but also, of course, this movie. All that to say I was hyped for this movie. I was super excited. And my initial impressions is it did not disappoint.
0: Yeah. So it kind of starts out, mm-hmm. you know, like the girl is out praying. I like how
1: it opens because it's starts with there's like a white horse, not even saddled. I don't think a white horse and a girl in like an old dress doing like some type of Wiccan ritual. And you're almost like, what is this? Is this a fantasy movie? When does this take place? It's no, it's modern day.
0: Yeah. Uh, and that's why I was like. I was like, does she bring it down or are you like you know bring this color or whatever and that kind of plays into her,
1: i think her character a little bit she i think she kind of questions it for a for a time mm-hmm. and yeah, she's
0: burning hair That's weird
1: <laughs> burning hair there's something so disgusting about it cuz there's a close up of yeah she does burn some hair as part of this little ritual and it's not like a it's not an ominous ritual she's doing a ritual to ensure that her mom is cancer free well let's just jump right into like what did you think of this movie
0: At first, I'm like, oh, this is a love story between her and Ward. The hydrologist. Yeah, the hydrologist. And then it goes into, you know, he seems like a strict dad and and makes sure everything is right and seems like he's educated. Nick Cage's character. Yeah, Yeah, and then, you know, he seems like I almost took him for like a professor or something. It seems like he's basically a farmer now or something. Yeah, like he took over his dad's farm.
1: Yeah, and the wife does some type of finance stuff online.
0: Yeah. Sounds like she's a stockbroker, is what I would say. Yeah. I don't
1: know. Yeah. Something stock like manager. that. But she's all the time complaining about the router cause she's got a, she's losing clients because their internet connection sucks. Okay. Well I'll say along the lines of what you're saying there, it introduces the family and I, I like it. Like I think it's handled well. They all, you know, whatever the stoner kids just kind of the stoner kid, but like their personalities are fairly well defined And they're fairly well-rounded out characters. You kind of get a grasp of the daughter. You definitely get a big insight into the parents on both sides. You know, with her, with her job worries and the cancer, and you get a view into like the troubles in their love life because it was it was breast cancer. I don't even think they necessarily say, and I kind of appreciate how they how the movie gives you that information. Like it's not. Specifically said that it was a mastectomy, but you get it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, him with the, the fact that he took over his father's farm, he doesn't want to be like his father. That actually comes up, he says things about it way later in the movie about, you know, I'm not my father, just randomly. It's like, well, he's definitely still got his own thing, his own issues going on. Right. But I like how it's handled the characters. Even he's not in it that much, but Tommy Chong's character, you kind of even get a sense of who that guy is.
0: Yeah, like, I actually kind of, usually I don't like, because he usually just plays Just like, just like
1: generic stoner.
0: Yeah, generic stoner, but he was, like, kind of, like, I almost want to put him up as, like, a shaman.
1: Yeah, basically, but also, like, he used to be an electrician, so he's, like, he's a little dated, but he's got cameras out everywhere. He's he's their squatter, but he's got cameras out everywhere, and, like, he's...
0: And they always, he, He's our squatter, but he keeps to his, him, his own.
1: He's both the, like, out-there nature hippie, but also still very tied in and knowing what's going on and he's pretty interesting
0: now this movie i will say is the difference between this and mandy was this one seemed to progress a lot faster and also i like the, the multiple stories that were in the one story you know like yeah chong's character and then wade who is like has nothing to do with really with the family you want to know what's going on when the mayor visits after this thing hits the ground. Yeah.
1: There's a lot of little stuff that hints at like uproader backstory. That's like, well, that's not what this movie's about, but there's history with these characters.
0: Yeah. Just how it starts, you know, it's like, Oh, peaceful family. And then just hits the fan.
1: It's in, it's not a spoiler. It's the whole premise of the movie. A meteor comes down. There is a blast of like purple light and you know, it is like a happy family, but it's not like, you know, a over the top cheesy, happy family. Like they still have problems. You know, it's a normal family. Grounded. Like, this movie starts off... It's still stylized, even before we get into the crazy stuff. I... Oh, man. It's such a good-looking movie. I love the cinematography and the look of the movie and the sound, the music. I really love the score in this one. But it does feel more grounded than, like, Mandy ever feels. Because Mandy even starts kind of out there. But then this gets continually weirder. It's different, though, than Mandy. It's definitely a different beast altogether. I think this... Mandy feels like to me, I would call Mandy a horror movie because of more of its presentation and setting. But this is an actual horror movie. Like Mandy is more of like, I guess a tragic revenge thriller.
0: That's what I would say. It's more like a revenge movie, revenge thriller.
1: And this is a horror movie. Yes. So the whole thing with the color out of space is basically it infects the surroundings with this color, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. And from what I understand from Lovecraft stuff is he tends to do a lot of like, the monster's so horrible, I couldn't even explain it, and you couldn't comprehend it if I could. And in this case, it's like, the color is beyond description, but the movie's representation of the color is, it's magenta. It's a purple, pinkish purple, it's magenta. Yeah. Which in itself is an interesting choice, because from what I understand, magenta is like one of those weird colors where, not that it doesn't exist, but it's not really properly in a the color wheel. It's not it's in the a,
0: original color scheme or r- rainbow of colors. Yeah.
1: The spectrum, it's kind of more of a perceived thing, mm-hmm. but you know, Cage's character even says it's like, it's kind of a pinkish color. Well, no, I couldn't even really, it's not
0: like any color I've seen before, but you know, it's magenta. Another thing I picked up on is like, everybody kind of has a different reaction. Like he keeps smelling it. Yeah. His is kind of the most evident
1: early on and becomes in a way the most extreme later on.
0: Yeah. And that's why I was wondering like, why is it so extreme for him and not everybody else? And it is different for everybody else. I don't want to go much further into specifics before we hit spoilers. I'm kind of stuck because this, like I said, with the tempo, this movie really switched gears. And it's interesting because it's just like 10 minutes shorter than Mandy. Yeah. And it's
1: not like, honestly, not all that much happens. It's all pretty much one location. A couple of times we go out to other locations for like a scene, but it's pretty much all on the farm, but it's the progression of the intensity of a thing that happens all on this kind of one, this farm location. There are events, but it's all tied to a slow progression. Do you have a favorite
0: scene? That's not spoilery. I kind of like how he keeps kind of switching. What I believe is his dad. He keeps like getting really angry and then he's like, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Like he just like snaps back He is kind of manic.
1: Yeah. For me that is,
0: you know, I guess I get
1: that that's probably the character. Mm -hmm. It's definitely how it's written. So it's not just Nick Cage, but it wasn't as bad. (laughs) It's so weird because I feel like this movie actually has more cagey moments than Mandy. There are some times where... He goes extreme, Nick Cage. And I'm just like, oh, it makes me cringe a little bit. His delivery yeah. on things. It makes me cringe. Especially the, hands, the
0: hands are in full force.
1: When he gets mad at the daughter. Do- he gets mad at the daughter a couple times. But he gets mad and yells at the daughter. And I hate it. It's so Nick Cage. But with the thing is, though, I think in this context, this is one of those movies where I can overlook it. It doesn't t- ruin it for me because it works in the context. But everybody feels like they progress towards where the movie goes fairly naturally. His feels the most unbalanced to me. Was able to overlook it a little bit more on the rewatch, but initially that was one of the things that detracted from the movie for me. I felt like he's zero to 60. Nope. Yeah. He's, gone, in 60 he's gone in 60 seconds. He's gone in 60 seconds. Like no pun intended. Everybody else, it feels fairly like a smooth slope. Yeah. Like- and he's like, take a step up and then a slope. And then he's at 60. That bugs me a little bit. I don't know if that's. It might just be that maybe his character is a little manic, but oh, I can do one other. I can do a non-spoiler favorite scene when the meteor comes down Mm -hmm. and it hits. I like how that scene is. the The brother is like he's into NASA, is doing it like sitting at the computer. I'm assuming kind of stoned out, but he's just like drooling. The daughter's got headphones on and she's probably sleeping. The parents are having romantic time, but the little boy's awake and gets up and he's in the hallway and he gets like the direct blast from this light. But I liked how that scene plays out. And I like the way the light when it's intense is visually depicted. Cause it's not just a bright white. It almost looks like it's, it's saturates the video. It saturates the film. It's like a combination of like a weird paint of, and it comes back towards the end of the movie, a weird paint effect. But at the same time, a weird, digital artifacting effect Mm -hmm. it's a mesh between like a a melty paint visual effect and your video file got messed up like it's this weird combination of that and they definitely like play with it towards the end and so i'd that scene i think is fantastic and the way it's just the weird build up to it
0: it just saturates everything in the picture
1: it's and it's very intense
0: almost like the way i saw it was almost like it was scanning Mm. the, the house.
1: There are a few visual effects to where it's not over the top. It's not like the film. It's not like that. You've seen that like effect where the film reel caught on fire and burns out from the middle. But there are a few effects where it looks like it's not just a visual effect messing things up in the environment. It looks like it's messing up the video itself. And I think that's super cool. Right. But it's not overdone in your face. Okay. Well then how about this? Let's go ahead and do our star rating now. And then jump into spoilers no okay. that way we can hit star rating for people who haven't seen this to just get, just get like whether off. or not we'd recommend seeing it basically yeah. and then we can get into spoilers and if you I, I hate to do it then but we can it, be like if the you next don't segment has spoilers it, okay. and I'm sorry our cinematic universe is gonna have spoilers there's no way around it like the nature of that you can't avoid a spoiler
0: so what's your star rating
1: have you seen my star rating on this nope well for old time's sake Jasper what do you think I gave this? Four. Nope. Nope. Overshot three. Nope. Three and a nope. half. I give this five stars. Okay. Oh. I love this movie. I would well, bounce between four and a half and five. Four and a half is still extremely high, of course. And initially, I kind of took the half away because of Nick Cage. But thinking about it again, and even though there's unpleasant things in it that I'm not, I'm, Not excited about in a rewatch. This feels like more so than most horror movies that come out. This kind of feels classic. This feels like a movie I could watch over and over. you know, Within a reasonable time range, of course. But I think this has a lot of potential for replayability. And it's so well done. I love the visual style. I love the sound. I think the characters are pretty well written. The story is interesting. There's something towards the end that I'm not fond of. But... It doesn't detract enough to, I dude, I think this is, I was thinking about all the movies I've covered this season, season four, and there's been some like the guest. I love the guest Halloween three, even though it's ridiculous. Uh, I love that movie green room and blue room are both great movies. This might, in my opinion, this is the best movie I think I've covered this season. I think this movie is great. And I'm super excited to see there's rumors that Richard Stanley will be doing like basically a trilogy of HP Lovecraft movies. I don't know if they'll turn out as good as this, but man, I love this movie and i I'm both bummed that he hasn't made more movies, but I'm super excited that he's making movies now because it's so well handled The cinematography is on point visually and I'm talking about the lighting post effects they might have done are all on point and I love the score. It's kind of a little bit has a slightly retro sound to it, but it's got that like big kind of wall of sound score when it's appropriate. And it all just comes together for me in like a perfect package. There's CG in it for sure. Some of it's, it's not the best CG. Some of it's not bad. None of it's horrible, but there's also like really good practical effects. Mm -hmm. And there's some really disturbing stuff in it that we haven't talked about because it's in spoilers, but there's some really like bothersome stuff to me horror movies just don't go there anymore. Right. They do. I mean, there's great, listen, there's been great horror movies. We're not still stuck in the nineties with a bunch of crap, but it felt at the same time, new, but also classic. I don't know. I can't explain it better than that, but I think it's great. I think this is a great movie. It might be one of my favorite horror movies to come out in the last very long time. What about you?
0: Well, I, I mean, now I feel you like don't have to mine do mine. It has to be totally detailed. Don't <laughs> I like how this movie flowed. You know, like it had a very, yeah, it had a very distinct Uh start and end game, you know? Yeah. And just with the visuals and the, and the color and the crap that happens that we're going to get into after this, Mm -hmm. it was just a crazy movie, but again, it felt like it had a purpose, like everything has a purpose. So I gave it a four out of five. Oh, nice. So.
1: Spoilers spoilers we're gonna get into spoilers and if you if you're not familiar with the story and you haven't seen the movie yet and you're into good horror movies because this is a good horror movie it's not like there are jump scares actually there is one jump scare that got me this time but it's not a jump scare horror movie it's more of a a little bit of a head trip make you question what's going on movie so if that sounds cool i hate to say it turn it off go listen to one of our older episodes. That you haven't, if you haven't listened to all of our episodes, go listen to them all right now.
0: Oh, <laughs> um, start at one.
1: Yep, start at one. They're all, all good. Little,
0: come all the way back.
1: They're timeless. Okay. My favorite scene, my, or my favorite sequence, I should say, and this is full on spoilers, is at the end. Everything from when the, what's it, what, what was he? The water, a waterologist, the hydrologist? Yeah, the hydrologist walks up to the daughter at the well. And you get that weird cosmic horror flash of this other planet, and then everything—everything's going ape at this point. And at the—and like the daughter's the only one left alive, mm-hmm. and then she like disintegrates. But the look of her, the eyes—and I really like that like magenta weird glowy skin thing they got going on.
0: The eyes are cool. I love the. the oh, yeah, guy.
1: the grass starts grabbing him. It sounds so ridiculous, and it is. It's silly, but also like,
0: ooh. Ew, why are the, the grass? That's is, like the shower scene where he picks up like whatever that is. That and jelly like, and the and it drain.
1: <laughs> and oh, like,
0: ew, I hate that. It's so gross. Why would you pick that up? <laughs> like No, ick. But um, I was like, man, there's so much going on in this scene right here.
1: Everything from that to the end explosion thing or oversaturation or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. When, he, when he goes into the house, that's where there's like really this weird digital sh- smearing. He's moving, but like, it's a combination of when digital files get weird and like leave artifacts from frame to frame. Yeah. But it's also a little bit like paint or glue. It's like stuck in place where he's moving and then there's like weird trails and he goes to the house and Nick Cage's character sitting up in there and he looks and he starts talking in like other family members voices
0: mm.
1: and the guy yells, You're dead, Nathan. He like the guy gives him a Nick Cage delivery, in my opinion. You're dead, Nathan. And then these like fighting, and then just the sound and the music is super intense, and the lights are going insane, and then it just oversaturation. That whole sequence sealed the deal. It's so good, perfect movie for me. It ends credits. That's it. Mm -hmm. Instead, he crawls out of the ashes, and then we get his bookend narration at the end,
0: which uh, that one I didn't get. Like I was trying to get, because is that just supposed to be later or did he like, did that whole thing age him? Because now his beard's gray.
1: I think it's later. Yeah. They built the dam or whatever. And no one's drinking that water. <laughs> I won't drink it. I didn't like it. I get it. I'm sure that's pulled straight from the story. Hmm. I didn't like that final scene. Yeah, it, it's not horrible. It's didn't. It was unneeded again. It was unneeded. I was done. I was. Yes, you got me. It's white fade to black. And I, I'm happy. And then we get this extra scene. I'm like, I don't need that. But whatever.
0: Yeah, because it didn't. It didn't close up. How did he survive? I guess maybe he didn't drink the water. My thing with the well is when he's like, oh, that's that's the dog. I think Sam. And like to point the flashlight down, you do not see it. dog. There's like
1: nothing. I'm Maybe, like, dude. There's like water and muck and you see some movement, but
0: it ain't no dog movement. I'm going to get him. I'm like, dude, let that dude die. Just... Oh, yeah. <laughs> she had no... He was dead set. Let's just get to the part that made me go, wow.
1: The move, the part that where this movie takes a turn and you're like, no one is safe. No one's getting out of this.
0: That's when I was like, everybody's dead.
1: Because it takes the two most vulnerable characters and literally fuses them together in this horrible,
0: disturbing. And not only whimpering mess of human. Now, not only do they get fused together, but the kid is now through the mom, basically.
1: Yeah. Like through the the mom, (laughs) the older sister, the sister says at some point, like it's like she's absorbing him. (laughs) And they're in pain. Have you've
0: seen the movie, you know what we're talking about. But yeah, they're in pain and they're, they have him laid out on the couch. And not only was it the sound for me, but it's the little kid's arm grabbing the back of the couch. And I think like my thought is he's like trying to prop it so he can breathe. I just, I was speechless. It's the only time I've watched a horror movie where I was just speechless. Really? I was just like, what's going on? For me, that's the moment where
1: the movie goes from like, oh, it's cool. It's weird. It's kind of trippy. You're like, you don't really know what's going on. They do a lot of cool stuff with like, it messes with their perception of time. They kind of lose that, time.
0: They point that out too. Is like, messes with time. I think the kid uh, Benny does. Benny points it out because
1: he we don't get a, we don't get as much from his point of view as we do the sister. It follow the movie follows her more often, but he disappears for a while and comes back after it's dark. And he's like, this is gonna sound weird, but I kind of got lost out there. It was day, and then it was dark and I didn't know where I was so you know there's that kind of weird like is it just messing with their minds or is it actually doing something to them and this is the point at which it goes from that kind of horror to body horror and to punch in the emotional ribs and man it's it's pretty brutal and it's not like oh it's this horrible thing that happens and then it moves on you'd message me and you're like they could stop making that noise literally anytime Cause it is both of them whimpering. They can't really even talk at that point. And like.
0: Yeah. It's like her making like an air like. Uh, and then the boy is crying. Yeah. And it was just the the two mixed together. And there's a f- several scenes. Un- with them. settling Where neck. that's going on the whole time. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's not like annoying. It's just bothersome to where you're like. Oh man. Stop.
0: Yeah. Cause then you feel like you're in the scene. Because they're trying to talk over a plan. And then they're like. like they kind of like
1: look. It's also the way they treat it to where like. They don't want to look. Mm-hmm. it's sad. And it, it is bothersome. And then he
0: throws her in there to feed. He goes, feed mom. And then, <laughs> oh, and, then and spider mom. And that's
1: later. Like she does not even want to go in there. Spider mom. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Eventually they, t- basically it, they go full creature and it's, it looks like stop motion for a moment. Stop that's motion animation. Thought. And I, it's a super fast cut, but I kind of love that they went stop motion
0: because man,
1: old school, old school technique, but it's, It's cool.
0: The one scene I really liked, and it's kind of a just a throwaway scene, was when they go back to his the shaman's cat. I'm gonna call him a shaman now. And his voice is on the tape? Yeah, and
1: his voice is on the Love tape, but he's like too. dead. And it's warbled tape. So mm-hmm. the time, like his voice sounds real creepy. It's still Tommy Chong, which is interesting, like his voice, but it's like creepy Tommy Chong. But it's warbling and
0: yeah. I like with right before that when he's like he's like, No, man, they're in the floor. Because he has like the mic or the headset to the floor and he's like, no, man, they're here, there, they're outside and whatever. And
1: what's in here is out there and what's out there. He gets away. He gets weird.
0: But what I liked is as Ward's leaving the door, he goes, oh, I'll look for uh, the cat. And he goes, oh, you'll see him, but you won't recognize him. I'm like, this dude knows something. He, his character kind of is Infodump character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. G-spot. A little bit there. cat. Yeah. But
1: that's also, like, the whole cat thing is there just so that that character can quickly connect that, like, whatever's going on is m- going down. mutating yeah. creatures. Yeah, I'm curious as that. He does know more than... Than he lets on. And I don't know how he knows.
0: But I think that's where they're trying to do, like, the whole shaman thing where he's, like, he knows what's happening. He just knows things. Yeah. But I just love this the, the set because he's, like, I'm just going to go ahead and say he was dead. Yeah, I think he was dead. How he's just... His body is sitting there and this tape is just playing, you know? And it's got, it almost does like that Mandy, like demon, the, yep. the warble. And the, it'll slow way down and get kind of yeah. growl, girl, Which again, for being Tommy Chung was like crazy Yeah, because I was like, wow, this is like a serious role for him.
1: Yeah. It's super interesting because y- y- you think Tommy Chong, oh, it's going to be like a goofy throwaway stoner character. Yeah. And he yeah. has a stoner character, mm-hmm. but he's, it's played straight. It's played well. He just seems like a like a weird, interesting guy.
0: Another creepy part was when they, they're driving down with the cop and the horse runs the by. The horse runs by,
1: yeah. Weird, surreal.
0: That was like fantasy movie. It has
1: that weird dreamlike, but in this context, like a kind of surreal nightmare quality. I did want to touch on something you mentioned before we jumped in the spoiler section, was how everybody's kind of got their own thing. Mm-hmm. And it is interesting because it does affect them all different. The older son seems just... More kind of lost. The daughter also loses time, but hers amps up in a weird way to where she grabs the Necronomicon and then starts cutting symbols into her with a box cutter.
0: That's what. I think so my thing was, was Both movies
1: have horrible box cutter scenes. Right.
0: Was that because she thought that was gonna protect her, or did that make her do that? Like, you know. I don't know. I don't Because if you saw at the end where she's like it kind the of thing, makes the like symbol on her head goes
1: the diamond shape in her head, kind of in a way mimics the weird structure on the other planet, the alien planet. Mm-hmm. There is also lots of triangles, which I see a lot in cosmic horror stuff. Like a movie, I would highly recommend. Uh, it's it's more schlocky than this. It's not quite as good, but if you are feeling some type of like weird cosmic horror, the void, it's pretty cool, right? But oh, triangles, triangles are a thing in cosmic horror. Getting back to the individual things, the little boy seems the most I guess outside of the father, outside of Nick Cage's character, the little boy seems kind of the most affected, but in a quiet way, where he just he just stands and like stares at the well for like two days and whistles back at his friends in the well. Shh, I'm talking to the man in the well. Creepy. Okay, well let's talk about Nick Cage a little bit. So I, I'd be fine with Nick Cage over the top insanity, but his ramp up doesn't feel right it doesn't feel balanced because the wife who I guess kind of displays the most severe symptom even though she's more low-key most of the movie by accidentally cutting two of her fingers off while cutting a carrot but that takes those two out of the movie for a while they actually leave to go to the hospital I can't tell it seems to manipulate time but it seems like for at least a day and a night they're gone so that whole time like the kids have been subjected to it and there it's getting worse and worse for them. But the wife and him are gone. I know they're probably already infected or whatever, but they're gone away from it for a while. But when he comes back, he's more impacted than they are.
0: Right. It seemed like if he got away from it, like where the meteor was or whatever,
1: I, I would assume but he seemed relatively okay in the car other than occasionally doing some opera singing for whatever reason. But when he gets there, I get that he gets mad at them, but they even say like right away, even though they've been there for like a day and a night, dad seems weird. That's mm-hmm. acting weird. And it's like he is, and I don't understand why he is already like so suddenly. It's, yeah. It feels real abrupt.
0: I felt like they're trying to turn him into his dad or something like, cause he had a skin issue and he was talking like his dad.
1: Was he talking like his dad?
0: Yeah, because remember he points out his dad was like abusive when they're when they're looking out. Oh, and yard. he talks like Trump a little bit. I thought. Yeah, he's like he's you know. You'll never be a painter because yeah, Nathan. Because he says the line. He like, does talk. Like it is yeah. like
1: Trump. It sounds like a Trump impression. You'll never be a painter, Nathan.
0: Yeah, because he points it out. He's like, you know what? Get the fuck out of my face, or no. Actually, I'll get the out of yours. And then he says that to the daughter later in the movie.
1: It's so... You're right. I didn't even catch that. He That is what he says. Father's like, get, get the F out of Because my face. Uh,
0: what I heard was he changed his voice to what he was mocking his dad's voice was.
1: Interesting. I didn't even catch that. Yeah, okay. I was so taken out of the moment I, that I didn't catch that. Because I was distracted by Nick Cage yeah, overacting that- his balls off. <laughs>
0: Right, so yeah, that's what made me question. I was like, were they trying to make this?
1: I think it was probably just him falling into his insecurities. I just, you're right, though. So there's reason behind the voice, but why does it have to be like that? Yeah. Why does he have to act it that
0: way? Yeah, because then what made me really like solidify that that theory was because his arms were turning like old. So.
1: Some small independent movie studios, like, we want to do some strange cosmic horror and try to hurry up and capitalize on this fading 80s throwback nostalgia wave. Maybe H.P. Lovecraft story. How would you combine Mandy
0: and Color Out of Space into one one magenta-washed cinematic universe? Oh, my lord. <laughs> so, mine was what I felt was the obvious... I'm curious. And easiest combined universe. So the first movie goes the way it goes, but we find out that the story that this god that they were following was real. Okay, the first movie as in Mandy. Yeah. And then the whole thing that the children of the New Dawn followed was real. Okay. Okay. So he gets himself cleaned up, returns to somewhat sanity, Nick Cage at the <laughs> yeah, end. And okay. yeah, and then we go into the color out of space. Okay. Now, this god is finally going to get revenge on him for killing his followers. Okay. And so, basically, this is the retirement movie for for his character after he's killed the whole Children of the New Dawn. So, I feel like the new movie is now his daughter didn't die and she now is going to start this new religion and then basically we have another... Type of movie, kind of like Mandy, where the daughter's the bad guy, where the daughter is like, Yeah, his daughter the is the bad guy. Okay, we find out that after a change of heart, the ward is actually one of the, the preacher and the first one's love child, and so now he's gonna go end her. So it goes back basically. Ward is, is I be do the like that one.
1: story of them where they become enemies, yeah, because you know, she was obviously crushing on him.
0: Mm-hmm. But, yeah, she also tried to kill him at the end, I felt. Oh, yeah. Or sacrificed herself. We don't know. But, basically, then the next movie is going to be Ward trying to stop her. I like that. And and bring her back to her sanity or get her out of that. But Now she's got the power. Because I felt in the first movie, in Mandy, that's what that bug was that they sting her with. Uh Uh-huh. Was one of the bugs from- Oh,
1: that's a good connection right there. Because there is like a flying weird bug- and it's yeah. like the same type of effect too that's that's a good connection, okay, so okay, you said you had the obvious connection, and yeah i, I following the Nick Cage character from one to the other mm. chronologically is the obvious connection, but where you went with it is not the obvious place I would have assumed it was gonna go,
0: okay, it's good no, it's great i I love it because I feel like also Ward is older too, and like he would figure this out, you know, like the story didn't end there. There has to be another movie here. <laughs>
1: Interesting. Okay, so good. I like that. I like that. I'd watch it. I really like the dynamic of pitting those two against each other.
0: We could even do without the love child connection.
1: After she ascended at the end. Yeah. She ascended. He just goes after her. That's what I should have said to you. Here's how my pitch goes. Mandy happens. And at the end, Red, Nicolas Cage's character, he's driving away. He's concluded his conquest of revenge. But of course he still feels empty. But also weird. And out of place. And something just feels off. And as he's driving down the road, he becomes bathed in a magenta, purple, pink light. Basically the light he's been bathed in this whole movie. And then (laughs) then he wakes up. And it all comes back to him. He's fine. He's sitting on his couch in his living room with his family. And then this guy runs into the house... And starts yelling at him, some type of a toxicologist (laughs) and yells at him, you're
0: dead, Nathan.
1: (laughs) And then everything starts going wild and he's just enraged and he just, he's next on the list. So he attacks that guy and then there's a bright light, an explosion, and he finds himself on an an alien planet with strange creatures. And it's, (laughs) and... And he doesn't know where to go. He's going to head in the direction of the two sons. He's got the beast axe strapped to his back. And he's going to go find his families. <laughs> and then we follow the journey of Red Nathan. Sla- Red Nathan. <laughs> Red Nathan, Nathan on, his, on his journey across uh, this alien planet.
0: Oh my god. Or is it? <laughs> 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 that. So yeah. I feel like this is like borderline. What was that? Well, almost... <laughs> be like Highlander or Flash Gordon. Uh, I feel like Nick Cage would be on a floating hover thing. <laughs> I wanna see Nick Cage on a floating hover thing covered in blood. It <laughs> just does the <laughs> Nick Cage phase.
1: So yeah, no, okay. So you had the connection of like, you know, this is the same character older. But I was trying to think of how to combine them and I'm like they're both they both get real weird. Mm-hmm but Mandy is consistently weird to where Mandy could almost just be like a dream moment in between his bouts of craziness in the color out of space. That I'm like, but what happens to him between, cause he gets shot and killed his character. And then the whole family's sitting in the living room when ward comes in, I like it. (sighs) They're both. I just continue the trip. Plus both movies had weird, like alien planet. Cutaways, yeah. So
0: yeah, like like it like in the end of Mandy, you like see the space painting thing.
1: Was he ever really Red? Was he ever really Nathan? Right. Or was he neither? Was he both? Is he even human? Maybe he's in a mutant biker on Mars. And that's the
0: cinematic universe: mutant, mutant, mutant biker bikers on, on
1: Mars, starring Nicolas Cage oh as Red Nathan, the Martian,
0: and he's a ghostwriter <laughs> with his head on
1: fire he's going to piss
0: flames.
1: <laughs> he's going to flames of vengeance. <sighs> All right. Well, this will almost conclude season four. Like I said, we have another Friday the 13th special in which we will cover Friday the 13th parts 7, 8, and 9. Which means, including the Jason X episode I did, I covered every Friday the 13th Jason movie except for the remake of Friday the 13th and you and I already did Freddy versus Jason a season ago or two seasons ago. So that's a lot of, that's a lot of Jason. So next episode will be uh, the Friday the 13th special part three. And I will be joined by Jordan of the movie guys podcast, who is on an episode earlier this season with me, the critters gremlins episode. You should go check that out. Critters and gremlins. And Paul, who was on the other two Friday the 13th specials with me of Moose's Monster Mash and Bull Spit with Moose. And then we're taking a break. Taking a break after season four. I don't know for how long.
0: And then season fiver.
1: Season fiver, where I go on fiverr.com and hire someone else to create every episode <laughs> yes. for five bucks a pop. No, I'd pay him Ten. We're worth $10 a pop.
0: (laughs) It was good to have you back. Good to be back.
1: I don't know what the runtime is going to be, but the recording was real long. (laughs) What, three hours? No. Okay, not three hours long.
0: Two for sure, though. Well, hey, if somebody wanted to find you online, where would a good place to do that be? My Twitter handle is at Carranzo Media, which is at K-O-R-A-N-S-O Media. And uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. That's where I be.
1: And I'm Randall Sylvie. You can find me on Twitter as well at Randall Sylvie. It's R-A-N-D-A-L-S-I-L-V-E-Y or RandallSylvie.com to see like basically all the episodes that I appear on. They're all listed there. And uh, of course, you can find the podcast at GCU Podcast on Twitter or go to GrawlixPodcast.com. It's G-R-A-W-L-I-X Podcast.com.
0: Or at Grawlix Podcast. Or is it at the Grawlix Podcast?
1: Or at Grawlix Podcast on Twitter to follow our brother sister mother show Is that weird? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the original Garlics podcast that we spun off of. What happens if we got beamed with a with a magenta light and somehow morphed back together?
0: I was just, just picturing logos mashed together. Like,
1: <laughs> it like mutated and, and crying.
0: Just, <laughs> <laughs> and lapping up milk like a dog or, just or water like me, a dog. Me, you, Jesse, and Melanie all just... Oh, don't make, no, now you're making it real. And then you just... <laughs> now you're it making it background. horrible.
1: I would be vaping. <laughs> all right. Speaking of garlics Podcast, it's worth mentioning uh, this coming month. So March... Brolick's podcast is hitting six years old. Six years. Six? It'll be our sixth birthday birthdayversary. We're old enough to vote. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, six. And if we did, who would we vote for?
0: The mother-son duo of oh, Jack, Jack. Oh, my God. That's who's ready for president. Uh, I'd vote for that.
1: GCU season five will be back, but I doubt you'll recognize it.